0: Uh, uh. Oh, welcome to Riot Act, episode 81. This is the Alternative Music Podcast with me, Stephen Hill, and with his anemic cup of coffee sat over there, it's Renfri Deadman. Sorry the coffee's not strong on I haven't bought, I I need it, but I I haven't bought any new coffee. You're doing alright today, Steve. I've got the fucking worst hangover.
1: How the tables have turned. I know. (laughs) Oh, I haven't had a drink in six months. I haven't had a drink for a while. That's a lie. Why?
0: Well, you've had loads of drinks. I've had quite part? a few drinks this weekend, but I've, I'm not hungover right now. Whereas you, are... we'll talk about the Brit Awards. You can't go to the Brit Awards, <coughs> which I went to last night, without drinking. You my have, God, no. You Have to drink. Oh, I would be. I would you be are far worse. A bad time.
1: I'd be in a far worse state than you are. Yeah. Now, if I'd been where you had been, my goodness.
0: I'm um, just to give context that I wasn't really drinking. And I had a couple of drinks over the last couple of weekends because I gave up over January and that. And then... This is a heroin
1: hangover, isn't it?
0: This is bad, this. Um, This is like the bar tab for the company I worked for. We had to hit a certain amount. You know, you have a minimum spend. Yep. We had to hit and everyone had left and we were so far behind the minimum spend. Really? My boss was like... You have to order the most expensive thing at the bar until we hit that minimum. Oh my God, okay. So I was drinking double gin and tonics and white Russians at the same time. Legend. Until three in the morning. And oh, that's how did I don't know if I should
1: ask how that settled in the stomach. Really bad. (laughs) Yeah, especially
0: uh, like when you've been just drinking sort of beer and wine. Mm. First drink I had was a non alcoholic lager at like seven in the evening. Oh, that's nice. And I was like, oh, I think I'm gonna be good tonight.
1: Mm. No. No. If anyone would like to uh to paint an artistic picture of Steve's Innards for the oh, episode God. this morning.
0: And that's why I'm also on the fucking cookies. You can bitch and moan all you want about how it sounds. You ain't getting a podcast unless I can eat this fucking cookie with it as well. I'm Very afraid. nice cookies. Taste they
1: like they've got coconut in them.
0: They're not. Good.
1: They're good. They're just what um junky I I
0: cookies, aren't they? After eat having all those white Russians. Last thing I want is coconut. Oh, that's pina colada, isn't it? Don't, don't know what I'm worried about. <laughs> we? Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm Stephen Hill. He's Renfrey Deadman. I think we've established that at this point. Coming up on this week's show, we're going to be reviewing <laughs> new albums. What? A good week, isn't it? Ozzy Osbourne, Agnes Obel In Technicolor, and Greg Dully. I don't know why I'm laughing, um, but they're new albums. Uh, we were going to do trade-off, but I physically am incapable of doing that this week.
1: Oh, we're not doing trade-off? Okay.
0: Oh, I... Did you think we were? I thought we were doing trade-off. I Just told to you I'm physically incapable to do that. Oh, sorry. To think about things. Didn't see the message. I've listened to Earth Crisis for nothing. No, I'm not for nothing. We'll do it next week. All right. And you listen to Earth Crisis. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. Um, shout out our friends at Musicism. Musicism.net uh, provide the best online tutorials for any budding musicians. If you want to be a tip-top guitarist, a shit-hot vocalist, or a whiz behind the desk of production. Whiz. You can go over there, it's nine ninety nine a month. Or if you put Riot in Capitals in the checkout, it's twenty-five percent off. And that feels like quite a bargain. Especially today of all days Remfri. It's
1: an absolute bargain.
0: Bloody bargain. Fancy twiddling some knobs. Only seven pound fifty. Yep. Yeah. Um our, last week I teased a in a the hope that it would be out, I teased our the start of our um best albums ever. This is why I told you to hold off <laughs> <I know. laughs> over and over again. So I'm doing it again. We're going to do a new series. Uh, first four albums um, we're going to record are going to be the two that we've already done, Anticross Superstar and Use Your Illusion 2. Mm. And then we're going to do The Wall and we're going to do Radiohead's OK Computer Stroke in Rainbow's Mashup.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Two of them been recorded, should go out soon. But if you th- And if you think, oh, that's nice of them, maybe I'll give them some money for that. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Riot Act Podcast is where you can do that and I think think very soon we're gonna be uh putting up some more writers reviews i'll today. say this much
1: the chances that they're out by the time this comes out are very very slim wow. but the chances of them being out in a week's time are much much higher because we're having that
0: meeting next tuesday that's true <laughs> <laughs> uh good anyway uh how have you been renfrey i've been all right i've been, Talk it's, for a been bit, my biscuit.
1: it's been a bit of a weird week because i've been traveling all around the Europe. Um, trying to negotiate peace uh, dealings between our um, European neighbours now that Brexit's happened, but also going on tour. You're with like a
0: Dominic Raab, aren't you? Very much so. I'm just like Dominic.
1: <laughs> um, and I, so I was on the tour with the band Vassa, who we covered very briefly at the end of last week's show. Briefly?
0: relatively briefly well you, you just you went on talking about oh remember when Art Danger, Oh, remember the website that covered bands you don't sing? oh yeah
1: it's nice that to have some decent t- content in the podcast for once um, <laughs> <laughs> um
0: four people on earth are nodding their heads <laughs> and they're all men <laughs> <laughs> who look identical to you yeah pretty much <laughs> so Eric from Loathe um <laughs> Scott from <laughs> And one man that we haven't found yet. And a beggar, probably. <laughs> Sorry, Eric and uh, Scott. Um,
1: mm, yeah, so I jumped in the Vasa van um, with four Glaswegian boyos. Lovely stuff. And travelled all the way. Well, initially, we travelled to Germany. We travelled to Mainz in Germany. Uh, no, it rhymes with Heinz. Heinz, Mainz, Mainz in Germany. North, no, south. <laughs> fucking hell, I'm fucking this up. Southwest Germany. <laughs> Southwest Germany uh, and played a little show there with a band called Thank You Scientists. That was good fun. I like German beer. It was fun. Then we popped off to um, the Netherlands, Harlem, a tiny little city just outside Amsterdam. Very similar to Amsterdam if you've ever been there. Just like a smaller, quieter version of Complexity Fest, which has been going on, oh, I don't know, five years now. Mm. I think this is the fifth or sixth year, something yeah. like that. I've been three of those years. Last, This was the festival that I jumped in the van with Conjure with this time last year. Um, You had a mad
0: old time, didn't you? Yep. Uh, You had a mad old time again? I
1: had a mad old time, certainly. Um, uh, Complexity, just to give you an idea. I mean, people hear the name and they immediately go, oh, that's a tech metal festival. And that's half true, but it's kind of a mix between tech fest and art tangent. So to give you an idea, Night Versus were one of the bands playing very technical instrumental music these days, but the headliners was, and so we watch from afar. So you can see where that arctangent tech fest kind of thing marries up. Um, and it was an excellent bill this year. I got there and the first band I saw was Herod, which was excellent because oh, nice. I've not had a chance to see Herod. No, um, that's great. And they were Didn't on the main stage. It. They were fucking excellent. Mm. Um, I had that album in my Albums of the Year last year, Somber Dessin. Yeah, think it's, it's fucking called. brilliant. It's a fucking great album. So and good. I feel like whenever we talk about it, we wang on about how brilliant it is. But mm. I feel like even we should be bringing it up more because it really is a fucking great That's record. really good, yeah. And they had 45 minutes, so they basically played the whole record. And one thing that I forget about Herod is they're really quite diverse. They have some really slow, doomy 10-minute numbers. And then they've got some really fast, mm. like, four-minute crackers wacker jacks that'll do um cracker, jacks. <laughs> in a similar way to maya does i mean i i've certainly compared them to Conjurer before but oh, everyone says cracker wacker
0: jacks about <laughs> maya by Condra. that's where they got boring in the reviews in the end didn't but they?
1: we've got we've got to come up with episode titles somehow so you know
0: <laughs> if that's
1: one way but that'd be towards the bottom of the pile um but no, they were excellent. Herod were really, really cool. Um, I'm looking forward to them actually coming over here. That would be nice. And mm. then when to see Pine, I've seen Pine loads. And I've talked about them quite a lot on uh, the show, just to say they were brilliant again. Um, back to a four-piece. Um, so as a result of them not having all of the musicians that I've seen, I've seen them have like nine musicians on stage in the past. And it's always going to be better than more musicians they have, but I still fucking loved it because they're a brilliant band. Um, I saw the boys and Vassa again. Yeah. So that was really good fun. They are, um, they are a really tight knit unit live normally. And in a sense, I've kind of got the worst end of the stick because this is the show I saw in Germany was their first show in 16 months and so the complexity show was their second show so you know to be fair ever so slightly rusty Mm. but as i'm saying this and probably as this goes out they'll just be finishing up a uk tour where i'm i'm sure they will be much much tighter it's just one of those things where like they just needed a couple of shows to break them in um but Vassar are a brilliant band like so colorful and energetic and just the last thing you'd expect to come out of glasgow glasgow Uh, Sorry, boys. Uh, (laughs) Fair fair assessment, (laughs) though. Um,
0: Never had the pleasure of going to Glasgow.
1: Actually, neither have I. So I am saying that based on nothing. On
0: just lazy stereotypes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Right, this is where it starts getting good. Night Versus. Holy shit. I wanged on about Night Versus when that instrumental record came out. You did, yeah. I think it was number 20 in my albums of the year that year. I fucking love it. I love how... We talked about a couple of weeks ago about like technicality and bands that shove it in your face or back. Oh, it was about Vassa actually. What about Vassa? Or a band who are technical, but it may take you three, four or five listens to actually realize they're yeah. technical. 90-, 90% of the time I prefer the um, latter version, but night versus undoubtedly do shove how talented they are in your face. And yet write songs as well. They're mm. like one of the few outliers who somehow managed to do both um i actually saw them twice in two days because um i was really excited about seeing them instrumentally so i saw them in london as well and both shows were absolutely incredible um eric from fever Three Three Three, obviously uh is a drummer and he's i mean he is clearly one of the best drummers in the world he's just fucking amazing the shit that he does um and they heard, had loads of projections from like Jodorowsky films and Kubrick films and stuff like that on the back wall which made it a little bit more entertaining because with the greatest of respect most instrumental bands aren't all that much to look at on stage and mm-hmm. they're no exception really so that was really cool that they had those just, mm-hmm. I just they were fucking amazing um people were really buzzing from it and like as if they'd just seen something which you rarely get the opportunity to see um they're an inc- such an incredible band um would be nice if we got more Night Versus stuff, but I think Eric's busy with some other projects. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, you should fucking bin that off. <laughs> racket Cannon. Um, racket Cannon are splitting up. Yeah, I know, yeah. Which fucking sucks. Um, and a big, big part of the reason, I, I will get to see Racket Cannon again later this year, but big part of the reason why I decided to go to this was any as many opportunities as I, as I can take to see Racket Cannon I'm going to take because mm. um, they are such unique unusual punk as fuck they do not care at all kind of band um and they're just amazing every time i see them they're incredible you don't quite know what you're gonna get um one of those one of those sets that you watch where you don't really have words for just how sublime and weird and unusual it is this kind of dark synth hardcore um have you seen racket Cannon live
0: um i went to i went to see them at um arc tangent right and i missed most of it because i went to the wrong bloody stage oh and i was waiting and then the band came on and they came on and i was like well this doesn't sound like them and then i soon transpired that it wasn't that's because it wasn't so but then by the time i'd got out and then gone to the other side, and it was packed. and I've got a place. They were like, This is our last song. So I thought, What? Like but I think I saw one and a half songs. Okay.
1: From what I recall, you were really impressed with the one and a half songs you saw. Yeah, the one, it,
0: w- it was really good. It made me pretty angry that I didn't I would see def- the rest. To I be would honest.
1: definitely do all you can to see them before they're playing in London.
0: I have no <laughs> idea.
1: I don't actually. They're coming back for Arctangent. I don't know if they're doing dates around it or not.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't know if they're around now.
1: Um, but, oh, yeah, that's a good point. So Racket Cannon were incredible and you should see them before they split up because they are unique, genuinely unique. Mm. No other band like them. Um, And so I Watch You From Afar did two headline sets. They did this thing called Jettison, which um, they've been working on for a while. It's a very post-rock type project um, in that, you know, it's um, their new music lined up with visuals that um, have been created specially for it. Um, and it was far more post-rocky in the sense that, because I don't usually describe and so I watch you from afar as a post-rock band. I don't think that's strictly accurate, but this was far more traditional explosions in the sky. This will destroy you kind of slow build post-rock to these quite beautiful, sumptuous images at times. So it kind of made a band that I think are quite different or certainly spearheaded a different arm of that instrumental music scene. A Little bit like every other band in mm-hmm. that instrumental scene. That said, I still really enjoyed it, and it is a bit of me, isn't it? So, oh, yeah. um, I really the greatest party band of all time. They, they wh- hey, their second set was the greatest party set of all time. Mm. It was fucking amazing. Limp Biscuit
0: without a singer, right? Absolutely, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, um, it was really quite beautiful, and I'm looking forward to seeing it again properly. They're coming back in September to do those shows, I think, and they're probably like sit down affairs, they're doing it at the South Bank Center, I think. Oh, yeah. So it's that kind of gig, if that makes okay. sense. Um, but that was really cool. And then their their actual career spanning set was um, just fucking wonderful. They played loads of stuff from the first record, um, probably because they've been playing the first record constantly. I think they've been working uh, last year as a result of um, ten, 10 year anniversary. I think they've been working so hard on this Jetson stuff. They mainly did the first record again, plus a couple of other numbers. But they were absolutely wonderful. One of the best times I've seen them. I've seen them like 18 times, something stupid like that. Um, But the night, and at this point, I'd ingested lots of drink. I'd ingested lots of legal marijuana and all sorts of things at this point. Oh, wide-eyed Steve there. Hey, it's the Netherlands. Can do what I like. Had a bit of smack. And um, the last band... Get a smack on the bottom if you go around like this. <laughs> <laughs> last, lot so... The Vasa guys were telling me, are you going to go and see Ottobocky Beaver? And, you know, hard Glaswegian has accents as well. I just didn't understand a fucking thing they were saying. I was just like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then other people were talking about this Ottobocky Beaver. I was like, what the fuck is this Ottobocky Beaver? Ottobocky Beaver are a four-piece all-female Japanese punk band, I'm going to say. I know this
0: band. Do you know Otterbucky Beaver? Yeah, cool. I thought they're the, yeah, they're a big old cult thing, mate.
1: Mate, I did not know about Otterbucky Beaver. They're great. Hmm. Do you remember that song from the Kill Bill soundtrack? Five, six, seven, eight. The the no, hold on. It was the, the song was. Woo-hoo,
0: woo-hoo, woo-hoo, yeah. By the
1: five. By the five, six, eight. The five, six seven, eight. There we go. Um, Otterbucky Beaver are like that, but a hardcore band playing it, and there is a lot of surf guitar in it as well um just mad and it's very japanese but hey that adds something to it doesn't it i mean that's one of the countries where you can go no really that does add a certain japanese to mm. it um and um i mean they went on at half past 11 so you can imagine what sort of state i was in and i was a little unsure if i was hallucinating or not because it's not a specific complexity fest type band either i mean to have a punk band just sort of you know, most of their songs, I, I actually bought their album and I've been really enjoying it. It's very good. Um, but most of their songs are a minute 40 long. You know, they're just really fast, thrashy yeah, punk yeah. numbers. Um, so their debut album's 27 minutes. It's 14 songs long. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was a really nice... Um, oh, seven minutes. That
0: must be good. It's one minute longer than the Green Day album. <laughs> so it must be really good.
1: <laughs>
0: it's definitely better than the Green Day album um i it, think i think i don't think we even need to say that anymore. Do <laughs> I think anything you ever mention is better than the green day album um but yeah i it was a really awesome way to
1: finish what had been quite a complex technical-esque festival for a lot of it just to have these really simple surf guitar punk songs played by four japanese women it was fucking great cool yeah yeah good that sounds good it was another yeah another great year complexity is a really fantastic festival it doesn't cost that much it's like 40 euros for a ticket it's just a day so if you're like old and like i don't want to camp and nothing wrong with being old and nothing wrong with not wanting to camp um it's quite a nice one for that and you can just get an airbnb or something like that Mm. and you know it's just it's just a day long but the, the venue is perfect there's three different rooms in the venue and like it's lovely it's a really nice you can have a really nice weekend away without it being that much money really mm. and watch bands all saturday which is
0: nice nice okay good well while you were doing that i went to go and see loathe uh at yeah O'Mira, i was right? gutted i missed this really fucking great like <coughs> i was so impressed the new i mean i've not ever seen them headline a show before it was sold out Amira is. Uh, they used to have the after party of the Golden Gods at Amira. Don't know if you ever went to that. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's in London Bridge. It's <clears> right <throat> nearby. Not to tell people where I am all the time again. But it's really close to where oh I my work. My God, yeah. People so, know number twenty seven. Someone tweeted me and was like, "Number twenty seven by the Azda, is it?" In credit. I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> good luck." You know what I mean, <laughs> come round. I don't care. Like, come on, just knock on the door if you, if you want to come. If anyone wants to come round, I don't tell you any more than that. But come round. You're always welcome, all of you. Um, and uh yeah so uh, the room I think I saw horror in there before.
1: Yes, I was at that. Yeah, that was the thing, right, the, yeah.
0: the Hammer after party. And quite a weird room. Weird room, yeah, but a cool room I think. It's kind mm. of um vaudevillian, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it feels quite classical. Mm. Yeah, I really Stony. Li-
0: I really like the venue uh, and it was absolutely rampacked. Right. Good. Like completely and utterly crushed squashed together like one living organism we Mm -hmm. were uh and it went off and their stage show um you know considering the album been out like a week uh yeah they'd obviously been working on you know a a new stage show they still had the tv and stuff but it was a lot more i thought they did a lot more with the lights Mm you know the lighting looked really ominous there's a few bands. I mean, actually, I'll talk about probably talk about lights and show and stuff in a minute. i we'll talk about the Brits, obviously, because um, a lot of that is just surface level shite. <laughs> but um, when you do get an artist who puts a lot of thought into that and they have substance with their music as well, mm-hmm. it really does add something to it. And the Nine Inch Nails the, N- effect. The Nine Inch Nails effect is yeah, exactly. And um, they just looked great. That thing, you know, they did a lot of just like red light shining out into the crowd. Yeah. Um, which is a trick. So I've been told that Botch used to sh- put one massive spotlight behind them and just shine it in right into the crowd's eyes. That's right, what, how Botch used to perform back in the day. Refused uh, sort of
1: picked up on refi- that. Yeah, a yeah. Refused bit. did a bit of that as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so
1: the beginning. So the. The guitars pan from left to right on um, Worms of the Senses, mm. if you listen to The Shape of Punk to Come, and it would be one guitarist would be sort of spotlighted, if you will, but from behind during his <laughs> da, da 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 and then the other guitarist. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it, 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 worked, it
0: worked really well. I loved it. I thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah it was great. Um, uh, <coughs> So, yeah, they adopted that, and it, that thing about them, I looked at I was like, yeah, when you, when you said about them being silhouettes and really easily recognizable, they are. Uh, The new song sounded amazing. Um, It all kind of, by the end, it was just total carnage. It was one of those tiny gigs where you just think, this is the last time in a while you'll be seeing this band doing this. Do you know what I mean? Great. Because it felt like everybody was going mad. And the new song sounded brilliant. Um i think they'll get even tighter with them because obviously they've probably not been playing them live that much so it's one of the first opportunities they had on this tour to be playing those songs live but you know uh it was really good and they need to they need to get on a tour supporting somebody current and exciting and uh vibrant um who can put them in front of then you get a tour with an american band yeah. some sort of american band who will you know put them in front of a lot of people who may not have heard them before but will be kind of they they they're funny one Loathe, because they're sort of so much of what they do feels really familiar as we yeah. mentioned the death Tone stuff before but then there's just this odd little british quality about it yeah cuz so much of it seems to be influenced by american metal and american sort of alternative rock but yeah, it has got that kind of British feel to it. A lot of very, very good bands. Uh, that's a thing. I think that's the when when British bands get metal or kind of newer metal, I wasn't going to say new metal then, but newer metal, right. They, they, The best ones always do have that little something which sort of identifies them as being a British band. I think yeah. have definitely got that. I think they also, uh, you know, at the
1: risk of sounding a little bit cynical or um, record industry-esque, they package all of that stuff up really, really well. They do as well. Like, um, I can't think of a band who bring all of the elements that they do together and package it so well. Um, and I, I mean, we've been saying for a while on this show that, you know, keep an eye eye out for them because they're not quite there, but there's something potentially very special here. Mm. Um, I mean, when I heard the new album, m- the last line of my Metal Hammer review is basically, this is the future of British underground rock, pretty much, or metal or whatever. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that seems to be proving to be the case.
0: Yeah, it was. They've always, I've always enjoyed them live. I've always thought they were good live. Yeah, yeah. But they were really good. Amazing. Really, really good. Awesome. I'm so that it. was the good thing that I did. Um do you want <laughs> shall we talk about the Brits a little bit I mean I'll sure. talk about it a little bit because it's massive obviously mm-hmm. and i want to start with the good stuff which is brief to be honest uh the good thing was about last night like so okay i've been going to the Brits for four was my fourth year on the trot that i've been going oh lucky boy right i think i can quite honestly say and i've been racking my brains i've never seen anything that i thought was good for the Brits Wow. Not a single thing. Okay, Four years of, well, four, last night, three years of performances, and most of last night as well, so say four, say three and seven apes of the Brits, right? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anything that I was like, that's really good. Nothing. Foo Fighters weren't good. Liam Gallagher wasn't good. Pink wasn't really very good. Stormzy, who, like, and funny, Stormzy played yesterday as well. And again, I thought... I mean, I remember talking about Stormzy when he did it the first time and being like, Grimes dead, Grimes fucked. And then seeing him at Glastonbury and going, oh no, hold on, I've got this badly, badly wrong. Mm. But last night, it was a sort of similar thing. And it, it makes me think that he's obviously an intelligent dude who tailors his set to where he's playing. Because seeing him live, both times I've seen him live at the Brits, I have felt a little bit like, mm, this is a bit wet.
1: There are massive... Um When you're performing live on TV as well, there are massive restrictions. So it might be simply that he can't do that stuff because he's been told that he can't. Maybe, but I mean, the
0: the stage show was like like Rammstein or something. Do you know what I mean? It was phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's spectacle wise. It's not stage show stuff
1: I'm talking about necessarily, but but I mean, usually the stage show stuff you can ramp up as much as you as possible because that stuff looks great on tv Mm. but um there are some it was the
0: hits it was the radio friendly that stuff yeah and i did they didn't they didn't come on and play
1: territorial pissings instead of lithium or whatever it was yeah
0: yeah. you know like he did a sort of medley of stuff and there was there was a bit where you know um it was a bit of harder but for a lot quite a lot of it was you know was was not great um but i mean you know I've never seen anything that I thought was good. And then Dave came on. We spoke about Dave being on the Mercury, and I was a bit like, oh, man, I wanted Idols to win. Having gone back to psychodrama, and funnily enough, again, I think when I was speaking at the, at the Mercuries, Dave didn't particularly impress me live at the Mercuries. Mm. And then at the Brits last night, it is the only time where I've stopped and gone, I have to watch this. Wow. It was amazing. He was on piano, wasn't he? He was on piano, just a box, like a kind of four box, thing, and, you know, and the piano had images of, well, all kinds of stuff. I mean, yeah. he touched on so, so, so many different um, societal ills, if yeah. you will, uh, throughout his performance. And he was absolutely, like, spine-tinglingly brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And then deser- and deservedly got Album of the Year, which when you consider he's up against the kind of fluff and the froth that was winning and performing throughout the rest of the night. I think. Not heard of the Fluff and the Froth. Well, it's Harry Styles and all that kind of stuff. I've heard of him. Yeah. Um, I was. I actually turned around to my mate and I was like, Dave should win this, but he's the only one who definitely won't because he was up against Harry Styles, uh, Lewis Capaldi, um, Stormzy, and I can't remember who, and Michael Kiwanuka. My oh, Yeah, good. yeah, good. yeah, yeah. I like that Kyo yeah, He's good, that, that dude. Um, but, you know, I was like, well, those two aren't going to win. And then when Dave won, I was like, oh my goodness me, because there's a rare second, a little glimpse for a moment. It's almost like the Brits pretended like that sort <laughs> of art good. was in, was important <laughs> in some way. Uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that, that was great. Um, that's kind of the only... Positive thing I have to say, other than seeing Bring Me the Horizon video playing as they were nominated for best group, was pretty surreal. When you go, oh look, we're I'm at the Brits, and there's Bring Me the Horizon nominated alongside Coldplay for the best band, and they were like a little kiddie teeny deathcore band that everyone hated sort of 15 years ago. It's weird, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Who won best band in the end? Foles, I think,
0: deservedly won mm. as well. Mm. On the strength of again the nominees in that category, mm. I think Foles deservedly won that. That they are their album albums that came out last year are better than Bring Me the Horizon's album and EP.
1: Still not listened to it. Actually, I should probably Foles, check this out. Yeah, yeah. I think
0: it's good. Um, you know, I mean, if we were doing the reality. Uh, but it's weird going to the Brits because the thing about it, it's not really a show for the people that are there. No. You're on t- it's a TV show yeah, and you yeah, happen yeah. to be in the audience. So it's always a weird thing. I mean uh, it's just it's just not very good. Yeah. Like it's crap, it's naff, it's shite, bad. It's crap, it's naff, it's shite, it's, it's bad. God, it's, 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 it's the Brits. It's toss, it's shit. You know what I mean? It's just rubbish. It's just a rubbish load of shit. Any other objectives? No, I mean, and, and the thing is, like I say, the performances of people you see. I think I said this before, but like when I remember seeing Pink last year and being like, "Where's Pink?" and I had that again this year when like Mabel opened it, and I was like, "Which one is she?" Out of those seven thousand people on stage, I can't even see. Whereas you go to the O2C Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder commands the entire arena. Yeah, there's also, also seem to be able to like <coughs> those 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 particular pop stars like over <coughs> the years. Very, very few of them are able to command the arena. Lizzo did to be fair to mm, her mm. she was quite good um it's not i don't really care, but you know
1: I would say i mean this is me putting a black mark against pearl jam uh but there's less um there's less eye candy with pearl jam there's less there's less to distract you from Eddie Vedder, I suppose, when Pearl Jam <laughs> playing live. Yeah. It, was it not
0: just that? It was the sort of... It might be, but then I do think if you're looking and you're like... I mean, you sh- if you're a superstar... Who did I see once who played? And I was like, well, there's 500 dancers there, but they still are the thing that you focus on. Hmm. And that should be the goal, really. I mean, so much of it, I thought, was, was poor. And... Uh, one thing that did it like, uh, oh, I don't know whether, uh, how deep I should go into this, because I don't want to sound like a cunt, and obviously I'm not saying this isn't sad or anything, but um, Jack Whitehall, who was diabolical. He is. Absolutely woeful. Right? When's he ever been good? Oh, mm, about 2006. Oh, really? When he was about 15, he was really good. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. I saw him once supporting Simon Amstel oh, before great. he'd ever been on telly. He was brilliant. Okay. Not anymore. He was dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And he did a sort of tribute to Caroline Flack. So, an ITV are very sad about Caroline Flack. and uh, But there was no in-memoriam thing. And I did think... I understand her having her own... Do you know what I mean? It's, it's fresh in the news. But if you're going to do a sort of memoriam to someone... And they're not even a musician. But yeah, yeah, we had a year where Keith Flint died and we had Mark Hollis died and you know and that's just two of people that i really really liked. like like yeah. i i know you know ginger baker yeah, that's really nice. there's a lot of british significant british artists that passed away that it was just like nah the you know this tv presenter's more just because it was and that to me like i i'm not trying to undermine the fact that that was you know a nice thing to do or even a necessary thing to do for itv no right? but it doesn't seem but like i do the right think it place. says quite a lot about where they place The importance of music over celebrity and current celebrity as well absolutely um and then they got lewis capaldi i mean this guy lewis capaldi biggest selling artist uh, british artist of last year yeah um he's boring answering the question you know i've always wondered what i've always thought to myself if you took the music of david gray the looks of hoggle from labyrinth (laughs) and the comedy ability of an open mic stand-up comic <laughs> doing his first ever five minute slot what would that look like and thanks to lewis capaldi <laughs> now now, now we know <laughs> uh yeah rubbish harry styles dressed as Willy wonka rubbish <laughs> um, billy eilish doing the james bond theme with johnny marr and Hans zimmer rubbish this is
1: the new bond theme the is new it bond theme yeah. as in as in, a as not the monty norman james bond theme but the new theme for the new film yeah
0: yeah rubbish um and the the other thing which what is, do you was think f- of them having billy eilish just very quickly just quick that's defined. fine she's hmm. really you know they always pick who's sort of big don't they at the time well kind of but but
1: it, 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 it's which why quite... it's weird when
0: chris cornell did it because chris cornell felt like he was You know, uh, been around for a long time. Well,
1: exactly. I mean, I I I think Chris Cornell was a weird one. I think you know. I mean, when Madonna did it, Tina
0: Turner was was, did Goldeneye, didn't she? Yeah, exactly.
1: When Madonna did it, she wasn't at the highest point of her career at all. So, so actually, I kind of garbage. I'd argue against that in a way. I'm not sure if they they, the last
0: few though. Sam Smith and Adele, and then Alicia Keys and Jack White as well. It seems like they're going more that way. Actually, I mean, Duran Duran and Aha in the 80s as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Sheena Easton. Yeah.
1: For your eyes only.
0: Mm. <laughs> we could go on. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's a really quite. I a bet bad you, song. I it's could really sing. Really bad
1: song, and every Bond theme. If you just, if you just said the title, I bet I could do the thing. Mm. I might do that
0: later when we finish doing this. <laughs> 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 What's your favorite Bond theme? Theme. Ooh. Ugh. Living Daylights, I, 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 do you Living know what I Daylights was just thinking? It's uh, fucking great. The Living, Living Daylights, land away. <laughs> <laughs> I too like the Living Daylights. Living actually, is great. They're back to back. Duran Duran um, uh, into Aha. Yeah, is, a that, that a is kill. peak. Really and good. I actually had License to Kill by um, Gladys Knight. Gladys Knight. Knight was not. No, definitely. not um, I got that on seven-inch single.
1: Oh, very nice. Yeah, very nice. Little um, Timothy Dalton era. I'm very happy. I I love Timothy Dalton. Massively mm. underrated. And in Flash Gordon as well, he puts his hand in the thing and then gets in with the thing. Amazing. Um,
0: no, he doesn't. <laughs> no, that's Matey from uh, Blue Peter. Gets bit and he's like, "Please do it. Please do it. Do it." And then he stabs him. And then Flash Gordon has to put his hand in and he's fine.
1: Uh, maybe. Yeah. It's anyway. Dalton, Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton and and um fucking um Brian Blessed in the yeah. same film together. Yeah. Amazing How have we got to this? <laughs> How bad the Brits
0: is. Um, you just go, let's just talk about Flash Gordon. Instead. For a classic,
1: I'm gonna go with Dives off Forever.
0: Oh okay, yeah, you're one of those are like. um <laughs> What, what do you mean by one of those? Well, you know, oh, it's the classic one. It's not yeah, look, I'm yet. very happy with the Living Daylights as
1: well, but you kind of picked the Living Daylights before I could pick it. You so. Can you still pick it? It's your
0: favourite. It's your favourite. The Chris Daylights. Cornell one is good as well, isn't it? I, think?
1: I don't mind the Chris Cornell one. I, I don't love it, if I'm honest. It's not it's, the best song, is it? Not bad. You no. should have just put Spoon
0: Man at the start.
1: No? <laughs> well, even on. It came out on his solo, second solo album, Carry On, as a kind of it it wasn't a tribute to um uh, sid james um but it oh come on that was worth more than that mm,
0: again <laughs> not many people get
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh and and it it is by far one of the weakest tracks on that album and it's a 16 track album as well mm. so
0: better than anything on scream though True. um yeah. Uh, so anyway, I mean, it, that it was bad. And then I, Johnny Marr. I mean, you couldn't hear Johnny Marr, but he was the one of only two guitarists, I think, at the entire thing. And I was like, "Fucking hell! There's no, there's, there's no guitar bands, like none." Nah. Last year was in 1975. Year before that, there was Foo Fighters and uh, Oasis. I think Royal Blood were there one year when I was I went as well. But this year. Rod Stewart, I mean, there's that kind of faces, mini faces reunion with Rod Stewart, Ronnie Wood and the drummer. Oh, Tiny Misses. Yeah, uh, which is, was alright and it sort of closed it. It did see like, it seemed a bit weird to have so many current acts and so many like, you know, rap and R&B and uh, sort of EDM acts and then have Rod Stewart of mm, yeah. all people kind of close it. mm very weird. And, and then it just sort of, and then it just like, gone in fuck off. You just saw the credits like that. The song ended and then it, the lights just came up and they just wandered off. So it's no good being at the Brits. <laughs> and that's why you got a drink till three in the morning, white Russians and gin and tonics till three in the morning. How would you like people to leave the stage? Thank you for coming. Uh, do you know right, I mean? okay. At least that, that's it now. Thanks for <laughs> coming to this absolute horror show. Do you know well, what I
1: mean? Probably shows how much respect
0: they have for their audience. I mean, don't get me wrong. I always have a nice enough time. You get plastered by the sound. I right? do get plastered. Yeah, I've
1: never seen you so hungover.
0: I'm really, I am not know. Your eyes are drooping? It's the you worst. Drooping. I, out of all the times I've been, yesterday, that, that was the worst. And it's because that fucking bar tab. Anyway, the Brits <laughs> is terrible. It's terrible. And um, News just in. Yeah, but it's, I don't know. I was, I was there yesterday. And after I left, I thought, it's weird that it's so, you know, I've always felt like I've never. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I really cared about the Brits. Probably like around the sort of Britpop era, maybe like 94, 95. five, ninety six. Ninety six. Ninety six with uh, Jarvis Cocker and and
1: Michael Jackson. And yeah. then after that, couldn't give a toss. Um. Yeah. And actually, to say that I cared about it at that point, didn't give a fuck who won. It, it was for, for then. It was more of a kind of
0: all. Oh, people are going to do bad things like swear when they... Yeah, and also, you know, I, I mean, that particular year had Blur performed, Oasis performed, I think Supergrass performed, a Lance Morissette performed. A w-
1: wicked version of Hand in My Pocket.
0: Yeah, um, obviously you had Michael Jackson. And then I believe, was it <coughs> Bowie? Was it Bowie? <coughs> Got the um, Lifetime Achievement Award. So you had David Bowie performing at the end as well. Quite likely. I mean, that's that's good isn't it it's definitely it better than sounds, what you saw when you talk about it now you go oh, that sounds quite good but then I don't know maybe people will look back in I mean I, I go do, Lewis Capaldi do Capulli. people, look, do oh, people yeah. look back at 10 years ago the Brits and go oh no it was good because it was the Ting Tings and Maloko," <laughs> and I don't think they do
1: I don't think people do look back at the Brits after a certain amount of time because there's nothing to look back on yeah. I mean looking at the Ting Tings it's just like staring into the void isn't it it's like looking at in the inside of an empty crisp packet <laughs> <laughs> even that has something vaguely interesting cuz there's your reflection which is vaguely all crinkled up and stuff i think that's doing the ting tings a massive kindness to be mm. honest like staring at a brown paper bag. The ting tings. The ting tings. How
0: dare how dare you be a band?
1: How dare you ting tings. How
0: dare you ting tings? How dare you <laughs> attempt to make music? How dare you attempt to express yourself creatively and come up with that. <laughs> uh anyway, yeah, the Brits is very very bad. It's a bad thing. It's, but we all knew that, but we're just so, so it's bad in a way that is a million billion billion miles away. From the sort of stuff we normally talk about, which is kind of terrifying.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well.
0: Oh, well. Oh, well. What I learned was young people like really shit music, but then Rod Stewart came on, and that's why I was like, you know, oh, God, don't young people like shit music? And then Rod Stewart came on and went, don't really old people like shit music as well. <laughs> it's only 30-somethings that have good taste in music. I've, I've,
1: I've never got the appeal of Rod Stewart at all. No. It feels
0: very... Um, oh hashtag time's up
1: well <laughs> just a little i don't know he, he feel he feels like he it feels like he writes music for mums that's mm. about it really
0: yeah it was so weird seeing a lot of young people just sort of sitting there and going well i think we should probably go yeah and the sort of you know the the mecca bingo crowds go <laughs> mental when it came <laughs> on like a bingo crowd yeah the sort of um
1: bingo wing crowd yeah,
0: yeah, all the like Coronation it's Street. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I deliberately didn't say that, even yeah, though it was, it, just... it was the very thing that I was thinking. Um, yeah, like, uh, well, you know, we have spent far too much time talking about this. So far too much time. Let's talk about uh, one thing I was going to mention: <sighs> KK Priest. Oh yeah, uh, KK he Judas Priest. Yeah, has basically started a Judas Priest tribute band. I thought I'd mention this because he's got Tim Ripper Owens uh, involved in it too. So two oh, really? former members of the Judas Priest fraternity family. Um, and he's sort of saying, oh, I'm celebrating 50 years since I joined Judas Priest by going out on tour and playing another Judas Priest song. So he's basically starting a kind of Judas Priest covers band and never sits well with that. He only left Priest quite recently, didn't what, 2011? he? 2011? Oh, God,
1: that's flown by. Um, yeah, fucking right. Um,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, he's... Uh...
0: What? it never works out I, always, you don't know what to do with these sort of things Cause, I mean obviously he's not claiming it's Judas Priest I suppose just in the same way as Max and Igor Cavalero not claiming their sepultura.
1: Well yeah exactly I mean I went to see two Caius Lives gigs and had a fucking whale of a time that was... but no one else is pretending, to, no one else is
0: saying they're Caius are they? No, true whereas Entombed and Entombed AD yes. one of them going you know, to I am entombed now you're not, and there's two Queens right touring around as well, I yeah. mean I think Whiche whichever one you're going to see.
1: There's two that crazy uh, Bathsheba, 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 Bathsheba Bathuska, Bern, Bathuska,
0: Bathuska. But also you probably remember the controversy surrounding um Gorgoroth as well, yeah. where there was a sort of tug of war for the name. There was a man going
1: around pretending to be you, wasn't there? Jason Statham,
0: I think his name was. Mm. It's not yeah. good that. Come on. <laughs> That's bad. You're just upset because man... you're over. No, no, no. There's a man going around pretending to be you, Jason Statham. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. I got, they, they wanted me to be the transporter. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll take it. I, Jason Statham's a <laughs> perfectly fine person to look like there's uh, far harsher
1: people i could have said yeah, there's far it. harsher bald white men than i could have mentioned
0: w- they did that yes that's one of the things that happened i had to be put through while i was drinking these drinks was just being told everyone that i looked like right it got to the point where it was like a baked bean with no sauce on <laughs> and a chupa chup lolly with a fucking beard and stuff <laughs> like that <laughs> a tic-tac <laughs> i was like, tic-tacs don't have beards tic-tacs do not have beards it's sort of a tic-tac that
1: has been dropped down a hole and you've picked it up and only half of it is grubby.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, my, half of my face is just dirt, isn't <laughs> it? Um, anyway, KK Downing. Um, yeah, it, I, I don't... I, I, they annoy me, these. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. Get back in the band. It, like, the thing is, you're not going to kick Richie Fulton. I think Richie Fulton's been really great since, you know, and Firepower mm. was really good. Mm-hmm. And the Priests have been really, really good since Richie Fulton joined the band and i know he wants to play his songs again but i was always i mean i, I haven't I wouldn't, why would you go see that
1: well i'm assuming tickets to that are around a tenner as opposed yeah, to yeah. tickets to priest being around 40 quid or i would constantly, constantly being cancelled constantly being cancelled well that's the that's the thing like actually in a way at the moment it's providing a service which the original band can't fulfill due to these bloody aussie dates which we'll go on to i'm sure but yeah you know um and i feel sorry for judas Priest because yeah, they're probably we don't know this for a fact but they're pro- the reason that they're not rescheduling those i assume is because they're probably caught up in lots of legal wranglings in terms yeah. of uh, these shows have to be exclusive and all that yada yada gump boring stuff but mm. yeah that's probably the reason
0: yeah so yeah right fair that's true you the thing like, you obviously be playing in smaller venues and might be getting... They get pissy about it. I mean, I'm, I, we will probably be talking about this it's in this thing we're going to do about The Wall. I've been obviously reading and listening to a lot of them, watching a lot of stuff about The Wall by Pink Floyd at the moment in preparation for our special that we're going to be doing. And Roger Waters got really bitter that he was like, you know, it kind of went 1990 rolled around and he was like, I'd be playing in a sort of theatre to... Three or four thousand people, and Pink Floyd roll up the next week and play in front of sixty thousand people playing songs I wrote.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But I shouldn't have left the band, should you, Roger? Don't call people's bluff, Roger, without checking the fucking small print. Anyway, that's <laughs> a different thing. So yeah, if uh, you do really, really need to see some Judas Priest songs played live by someone who was in Judas Priest,
1: K- yeah, go to that. I would, Priest. If that's a tenor and it's a like, did you go to that? It depends. I, I mean, I wouldn't go to Judas Priest one because I don't love Judas Priest in the way that you love Judas Priest. Like, I've, I'm sort of ho-hum about Judas Priest. I've I've been to Guns N' Roses tribute band before because they were playing... What, with Axel Rose fronting them? N- no. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Well, I, I went when
0: Stephen Adler
1: played with them oh, did um, at the Exchange in Bristol, yeah. Um,
0: what? At the Exchange in Bristol. Yeah. Stephen Adler played drums with, Oh, I th- I think Guns N' Roses played, and Stephen Adler played drums with Gun, with actual with Guns N' Roses. No, 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 like, what? <laughs> no. What? Um,
1: it was um, Adler's Appetite. I want to oh, say. Oh yeah, do you remember that? Gee,
0: oh, stuff like that.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it was cringe, but I got wasted, and then waited for them to play Night Train. and had a lovely time. So, and it was like six quid. Brilliant. I mean, I mean, this. If you see those nights as gigs, in the same way that you turn up and see Turnstile you're going to be disappointed if you see them as a night out getting blotto they're usually quite
0: fun yeah that's every night out for you though <laughs> to, be <fair. laughs> to be fair uh let's do some bloody reviews and since we were just talking about it let's start with Ozzy Osbourne ordinary man this is the 12th Solo studio album from Ozzy Osbourne, the first since 2010's Scream. First in 10 years. mm, Which was not a great record, to be perfectly honest. He hasn't released a great record
1: for a couple of decades,
0: though, has he? um, When was the last good Ozzy Osbourne record? No More Tears. Osmosis, maybe? I was going to say Osmosis. Which was 95. I mean, Osmosis is like, maybe it's because it's the one that came out when I was sort of getting into metal. And, you know, Perry Mason was on MTV a lot. Perry Mason's a fucking tune. Like, mm-hmm. right, that's a fucking tune. Yep. Screw you if you disagree other- otherwise. It's been 25 years, though. It's been 25 years. There's been some quite good um, moments in Aussie's back catalogue since then, I I'd think. expect that from a heavy metal legend, yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but overall, um, yeah, it's not been great not been great it's not been great um so you shouldn't really especially i mean the thing is going into an aussie osborne album now the expectations of uh, will this be good or not i've got a i got I think a long gone yeah really.
1: well i'm i'm arguing 25 years gone <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: um i don't know if 25 years gone is fair but i mean i, no, I, I sure. think like it, when the next one came out after that you you probably you could have you wouldn't have been like there's just no way this can be good um yeah. whereas going into this i was like okay this can't be good <laughs> do you know what i mean like yes i don't want to kind of second guess records too much but in my head i was like well this isn't going to be good is it
1: yes yeah, so <laughs> i i went in with exactly the same attitude to be um uh,
0: and and more so if that sounds harsh bearing in mind what aussie's been going through recently it's not meant to it's just a you know the fact, fact that that not it's gone beyond, oh, I wonder, I don't think Ozzy's really going to be able to cut it now, to fucking how I'm really worried about Ozzy Osbourne's uh, existence. Well-being. And well-being, yeah. Right. You know, that's more of a priority to me than whether or not he can make another good album. Because, you know, he's made. <laughs> You know, the, those six first six Black Sabbath albums alone, he never needed to do anything ever again. Ever. No,
1: no, no, no. His legend would have been
0: assured mm. after that. Um, although I am slightly loath to, to talk about Black Sabbath because this is an Aussie solo record and they are very different. Um, Remfrey, what wh- I don't know if we've ever spoken about Aussie as a solo artist before, mm. before you and I. Mm. What is your thoughts on Aussie as a solo artist? Um,
1: generally not really my bag i always preferred aussie kind of felt a little bit more hard rock as opposed to metal compared to black sabbath anyway at the very i mean you know you could argue it is metal but just i don't know a little more day glow a little more 80s Mm -hmm. a little cheesier um and it's bright it's bright yeah 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 and i have um it's showy it's pantomime Mm. um I have an immense amount of respect for Randy Rhodes who i I didn't really bother looking into Randy Rhodes much when I picked up guitar because I wasn't interested in the songs but then there was like a total guitar that came out which had you know a couple of his songs transcribed and just learning to play them and sometimes when you learn to play a song you appreciate his genius so much more and Randy Rhodes is very much like that for me. I realized kind of. What he was taking from where and how he was putting it together, and I mean, genuinely, one of the best guitarists to ever do it, I think Randy Rhodes. But in terms of the songs, I'm not particularly interested, and never really have been.
0: Mm. Okay, um, so uh, you know, I'm. I say about Osmosis being a good Aussie album. I, I think you know the up until yeah, no more tears, and that that's not a bad run. I'm very much a. And mix okay. Ozzy Osbourne fan, really, in mm-hmm. terms of like getting Bark at the Moon or getting Blizzard of Oz and wanting to listen to it from top to bottom, mm-hmm. not really. Mm. And it is those exact reasons why uh, the reasons that you've just brought up are probably the reasons why you know it's brighter, it does sound more 80s, it does sound more day glow, it uh, is it, far more reminiscent of you know, Van Halen and the Sunset Strip than it is Birmingham and, you know, Doom Metal.
1: Despite being um, younger, uh, no, hold on, despite being newer, um, the Ozzy Osbourne material sounds more dated than the early Black Sabbath material.
0: It does does. a bit, yeah, it does a bit. Having said that, uh, Ozzy albums can be really fun. Listening to Ozzy can be really fun. I think you're going to see him live, even at download when he was pretty bad to be fair like Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean and he's been pretty bad whether it be solo or with black sabbath you know he's it's been a long long time since he's been able to sing well yeah (laughs) Uh, particularly live um i think you have a really really good time with some of those songs and aussie's fucking aussie isn't he um this has duff mckagan and chad smith as its rhythm section
1: yeah Hmm.
0: that that's is exciting, yeah, that, and that's something that maybe go. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Duff McKagan, aka Guns and Roses bassist, and and loaded, mm-hmm. um, and Velvet uh, revolver, and Velvet Revolver, yeah, and um, yeah, Chad Smith. One of the best things about the Red Hot Chili Peppers, um,
0: maybe the only good thing about the Red Hot. A- no, no, Flea's Flea is good, and E Flea is good. for
1: Flea. Um but no, like whether you like chili peppers or not, Chasm is a great drummer. Mm. End of. He's mm-hmm. just a great drummer. So mm-hmm. that's that's cool. That's wicked.
0: Yep, yeah, yeah. Um got a couple of special guest slots on that we'll probably talk about at some point, like Elton John and mm-hmm. Post Malone, Sublime and the Ridiculous. <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah. Um as you said though, we should mention Ozzy's just cancelled a bunch of twenty twenty four dates. Um and knowing his condition, I mean it's not a good thing that is it?
1: We don't know if, at time of recording, we don't know if Ozzy is going to tour this album. And obviously, I'm sure the plans originally were that he was going to tour this record. But I hope, and and I mean this in the nicest possible way, I hope with the diagnosis that he has got, he ends up not touring it. It will be sad in a sense, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. we've kind of, we already discussed this a couple of weeks ago. It's kind of like...
0: Just let him fucking retire. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, so we should talk about the actual album itself then, Ordinary Man. First Aussie album in 10 years. As I said, I went into it with such low expectations. Yeah, same. Um, so, so, so low. And that is why I was so sort of shocked at the opening when it opened with Straight Straight to to Hell hell. and and all my life, Mm -hmm. and I was like, "This is quite good." I
1: was very pleasantly surprised by the first few tracks. Yeah, Um, I just thought they were really decent. Like Straight to Hell is a really good opening stomper of a track. It's what Aussie does. Aussie continue to can continue to do that well as an older gentleman, and um, it, it. you know, there were some interesting kind of queenisms put into the kind mm. of chorus in terms of the layered vocals and all that sort of thing. Um can I skip ahead to goodbye, track three? Yes, yes. Um has a vaguely kind of Alison Chains kind of feel, yes, which I actually yeah. think's is a good we've talked about metal bands growing on gracefully i think going into an alice chain's mid-paced heavy groove is actually Mm. quite a good way Mm -hmm. to continue to make heavy music whilst um doing so with dignity as you grow older Mm. and
0: um goodbye sounds fucking great actually yeah i I thought i I got to the first after the first three tracks yeah and I was excited because I knew the next one was the title track, which has got Elton John on it. A ballad with Elton John. Yeah. And I love Elton John.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm curious to know your opinions on Ordinary Man,
0: the title right. track. Now, what I will say about this record is when he does go stompy stompy, for the most part, I think it's pretty good. I think goodbye, and you know, it's, there's a few. There's Aussie is actually very infectious on this record. You know, you mentioned it is goodbye where he goes they I don't serve tea in heaven, and all that bit. I think
1: so. I mean, yeah, that doesn't.
0: Is... That I don't think that works very well. But okay. No, 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 no. But
1: it's at least, yeah, I know. It's, it's very, <laughs> it's very, very. I don't think it ruins the song. No, ruins no, no, the song no, song's Over. No, you know, no. at that
0: point the song's over, and you just go, well, what? Are you, why? Why? <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> but you know. I But I kind of, I liked to hear Ozzy mucking about. Mucking it. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally, like, he's well, a character. Yeah, he's, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. he's he's having a laugh while he's, yeah. um he's having fun while he's making this record. And it's like, good, good. It sounds like, you know, because the last thing you want is to, to, to feel like Ozzy Osbourne has sort of been harangued into making another record or whatever, which I know is what some people have sort of insinuated, hmm. you know, that he's not been allowed to retire or whatever. um We don't know. But uh, yeah, so ordinary man. I think my biggest problem with this with this album, and it's actually kind of a problem with Ozzy as a balladeer from his entire career, is that when he goes sort of John Lennony or Jeff Wayney yeah. and tries to do that kind of earnest singer songwritery and, and ballady stuff. You know, he's not got someone like Jim Steinman alongside him writing these songs to make them like Meatloaf make them, and he's not got a good enough voice like Meatloaf to make them absolutely ludicrous, which is how they, which is when they really work. Yeah, and he's not got a good enough set of songwriters surrounding him. To be honest, it's go on John in this one, so yes, but when
1: when he goes ballady, it shows up his imperfections as a vocalist a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so, and also you know they. are they're just, you know, they're not, uh, it's it's hard to do those sort of songs when, you know, he, he he obviously loves the Beatles and he's aiming for the sort of thing that Paul McCartney or John Lennon would yeah. have done previously. And you just like, you, you just can't, you just, just he's yeah. not good enough to do that. Like he's yeah, very, yeah. Ozzy is good at a lot of things mm. or and he is, or he's got musicians surrounding him that have helped him be good at various things. Mm but he's, n- he's never been good at that.
1: You can go right back to Changes, can't you? Which is... Um, yeah, I don't
0: like... See, I hate Changes. I think
1: it's bum. I don't hate it, but I don't... Th- it, it slows that out. It's volume four, it's yes, on, it's right. isn't it? It slows it right down very yeah. early on. It's like track three, I mm. think. And it's like, oh, where did the Doom stuff go? Yeah. <laughs> you know?
0: Um, uh, for the... lot. I mean, I... I, I d- I wonder if it's. I've, I've sort of reevaluated Volume Four because it was the one that everyone was like, "Ah, oh, Volume Four, is so great," and it was always the one out of the six that I was like, oh, "I don't really know about." Really? Okay. Four. okay. I mean, I, I, like I do now of because of, you know everything else is brilliant, but yeah. I think changes, like you say, it just—it's a blob and a blot on that on on what was a great great record.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't quite go that far, but but yeah, it, it is. It does suddenly stop
0: and then mm. start again later. Mm. Um, so, not a fan of "Ordinary Man," the song. Kind of against all my. Well, this was gonna say like, I mean, there's another one later on, like "Holy for Tonight," which mm. is, I think, is far wor- is worse. Absolutely. Is uh, I mean, it's bad. That that's really yeah. bad. Um, "Ordinary Man," I should think, is shit. Yeah. Because it's really schmaltzy and yeah. it's quite obvious and it's not particularly well put together. No. And neither of them sound that. Uh, inspired by they it they sound like they're
1: just tossing it off yeah and um, not something you want to do when Elton John's in the room but there you go oh. <laughs> is that too much well I mean might cut that yeah
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I think maybe you didn't just like, see if people go how, how could you possibly think that was alright to say um he's <laughs> Eminem over there. I oh, didn't <laughs> like Eminem. <laughs> I Me mean, fucking acting like him. Yeah. Um yeah, I against all of my better judgment, I just think hearing like I love Aussie mm. and I, I really love Elton John as well. Mm. I don't know if, how much we've spoken about that. We've definitely talked
1: about it quite a bit. Goodbye, yeah. Brick Road, you fucking
0: love. Oh, I love Elton John. Mm. I'm going to see Elton John this year. Are you? Yeah. Fingers crossed because he's ill at the moment. Um for his sort of retirement tour. Selfish. no huh? That's selfish of him being ill. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so against all of my better judgment, I find myself actually enjoying Ordinary Man, even though I'm aware that it is not very good. It's
1: taken us a long time to get to this point, but actually, yes, I don't know everything about Ordinary Man is bad, and yet yeah. I really like it. Yeah. Um, it's mawkish, it's far too sentimental. It's, it's schmaltzy, it's schmaltzy like as fuck, badly it? put together. And yet it's Elton John and Ozzy Osbourne singing together yeah. over a quite a decent Elton John piano ballad. And I'm like,
0: yeah, but I still like it. Strings, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. it's quite hard to not go, ah, that's good. Yeah. That's something that I've always would have liked to have heard um done. And here it is. So yeah, at that point in the album, I'm I'm sort of, I'm sort of four for four really, which I think is mad to consider being four, four songs in on an Ozzy Osbourne album in 2020, and actually going, oh yeah, I'm, I wouldn't change anything so far. I mean, I probably might change a little bit on Ordinary Man, but doesn't last though, does it? No. I, know, I mean, no, it doesn't. But it was never going to. I mean, at that no. point, I was like, four out of ten, I'll take it. Uh, isn't it 11? Well, that's tagged on the end. Isn't All it? right, okay, four out mean. of is ten. That, does Fine. that count? Because that's actually a Post Malone song. Well,
1: it's on the version that I got. Well, it's not the one I got. Oh, okay. Well, no, we don't count
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on the one I got, and also, it, that is a... That is a Post Malone song that's on. It yeah, yeah. was made for Post Malone's album. Well, that's why it sounds
1: really weird on this mm. record. Uh, maybe it's a bonus version. I don't know, but uh, it didn't work for me. Um, yes, the first. I, I do actually think the first four songs. I kind of wish the first four songs on this album. I sort of wish this had been an EP, and I think if Ordinary Man had actually um, finished it, despite it being mawkish and sentimental and stuff, the. If that had been the last song that we heard as Ozzy Osbourne fans, and the last thing he ever r- recorded and all that, it would have been a really lovely full stop on yeah, his career yeah. in, yeah, in a way. that's really true. Um, unfortunately, it goes on for another six songs. Um, and it's just the sound of a shovel um, digging dirt and uh, the sound of Ozzy Osbourne burying himself alive, more or less, just sounds absolutely... I mean, Scary Little Green I Men. I know we have
0: to. That's such a bad song. It's a fucking such a bad Scary song. Scary
1: Little Green Men is worse than the song title. And the song title, Scary Little Green Men, is pretty fucking abhorrent. Yeah. But that is a dreadful song.
0: It's really bad. Um, What else is awful? Well, I mean, Holy for Tonight. Holy for Tonight, yeah. Just, it's a lot of stuff about his own mortality on this record, isn't there? Yes. Like, there's a hell of a lot of stuff about him checking out and him being in heaven and, you know, what will you think of me when I'm gone and, you know, my whole life I just wanted to be, I, I just didn't want to be an ordinary man and a lot of sort of, and I suppose artists do do that when they get to that 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 certain age and that certain point in their career and I completely understand it. um But like you say, it would be nice just to be a full stop where he does that and if it is the last thing we hear of Ozzy Osbourne, it's not... Kind of m- m- mullered or kind of bullied away from the out of the out of shot by something like you know scary little green men. I mean, well, we got yeah. Black Star by David Bowie up here, like, yeah. We put that as a kind of like there's the there's gold here's what you standard, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um,
1: yeah, that's the thing. Like, if the first four tracks had been expanded out into an album, we'd be talking about a really good record, mm. um, but it's just sort of followed up. With kind of like okay, let's just do some sort of classic "quote unquote" Ozzy Osbourne tracks now, which might have worked when he was thirty. I mean, I don't think you could do anything to "Scary Little Green Man." It's fucking atrocious. Yeah, it's bad. That's um, really, real bad. But I mean, in um, case you hadn't noticed, <laughs> I was thinking that is it is it take what you want or is it it's a raid that it's a raid with Poison Rain? Do you like
0: that? No. Uh, I see, I at least I was like the because the, I thought well the other thing he can do haven't you you haven't said that I thought Ozzy Osbourne either goes out as you know on on that kind of very mawkish sentimental emotional uh, ballad with Elton John or he goes out like a pissed up drunk one last belligerent old bloke with some kid next to him. Drunk driving his way around the streets and nasty and uh, do you know because I mean? that's what he sounds very array, fucking irritating
1: it. though, doesn't he? Yeah,
0: it's all like yeah, fuck you, yeah. yeah well, even so uh, crazy. I, I think and ev- Post Malone's not a, much better either. Is no, I, th-
1: I think everything about Ozzy Osbourne's contribution to that song is fucking awful. To be honest, I hate I hate his vocal take. I I, I find his vocals incredibly irritating and very one note in that song. He sings very high. Which isn't very good for Aussie, especially at this age. No, I think it's absolutely dreadful. Emperor in New Clothes, Bollocks. I hate it. I don't like that song.
0: Right. I thought the music some of the music was alright. It's like quite you know, it was the most sort of heavy one, the most driving one.
1: It's the most driving one because the tempo's the
0: fastest. I mean I th- they're, they're, it's not for me, it was particularly when you got the last three, Scalylet Green and Holy for Night, and it's a raid. It's a Raid is the best one out of those last Oh, three.
1: it's the best out of those last three. But you're talking about three pretty turgid songs, aren't you? Yes, you are, to be fair. You know, I mean, the standard is not high. Yeah, and actually, true. It's a Raid compared to any of the first four, I think, is terrible.
0: Yes, I agree with that. Um and then you've got I mean the only other three they haven't spoken about is Under the Grave is the midsection, Under the Graveyard Eat Me and today is the end, which Eat
1: Me is embarrassing.
0: Yeah, I mean I was actually gonna say I feel like you've got one, two, three, four are good. Five, six, seven are kind of nothing mm. apart from Eat Me isn't isn't very good. It is embarrassingly nothing. Yeah. And then you've got three Bad thinkers. songs. Yeah. yeah. Which isn't great,
1: is it? No. Let's face it. Uh what would you give this album out of ten?
0: Well, there's four good songs on it out of ten. Four out of ten. So I'd give it four out of ten.
1: Yeah, I'd give it five.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I probably would give it five because I think the two that are just like under the graveyard and today is the end are just sort of nothing. I, I do you know what I I think today is the end has a nice chorus. Yeah. Yeah, but 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 not a memorable one. No. So I'm you just know, trying to be nice. Yeah, fair <laughs> yeah, yeah. Five out of ten seems fair, and a five out of ten is far more than I think that you could have really expected from Ozzy Osbourne. I was expecting more of a
1: three. So you know, the embarrassing stuff that is on this record, I expected a lot of it to be embarrassing throughout, and the fact that it isn't, the fact that those first four, I don't consider myself an Ozzy Osbourne fan. Yeah. If those first four songs were the record, or if it was an EP, I, I would definitely listen to this after um we reviewed it yeah B- because they're not i well i might go back to them. i probably won't to be honest but you know but i th- i think that was that stands in good stead considering that i'm not a massive Ozzy Osbourne fan mm. um but yeah i mean overall it could have been a massive embarrassment i don't i don't think people will see this album as an embarrassment because even the embarrassing th- there aren't enough embar- embarrassing moments on it to justify it being an embarrassing you know a Lulu
0: or a, or a St. Anger yeah, or Yeah, and whatever. also it's fairly similar to what Ozzy spent his exactly. entire career doing. So, you know. It's not
1: adventurous enough for it to be considered an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Uh It's just generally not very good, except for the small part where it is
0: quite good. <coughs> I mean, it's and, you know, and I didn't there. even expect that. Yeah, yeah. So I think you take, what you know, yeah. 12 albums into a career, which is pretty much the, about to become over, I would say. Mm-hmm. I, he's sure, not going to make it. another... solo album no surely no in 10 more years he's like you know if if you're thinking it's 10 years between each album now i mean it can't happen can it really okay well there you go um thanks aussie thanks for being great over the years and if this is the last thing don't worry about it some of it you've done an all right job
1: some of it's quite good
0: some of it is pretty good and if that sounds like we're Being sort of snooty in any way. I don't think it's meant to do. No. I think it's just the reality of the situation. You are an old man, you are not very well, Mm. and you haven't made a good record for a very, very long time.
1: I was expecting to be far snootier than I have been. So Mm. if this is snooty, I was going to be super
0: snooty. So,
1: (laughs) super snooty. Uh,
0: There you go. Ordinary Man by Ozzy Osbourne is (laughs) out right bloody now. All right, let's move on to our next album. It comes from Agnes Obel. The album is called Myopia. It's the fourth album by the Norwegian, the Norwegian, the Norwegian singer songwriter of a folky, classical bent. She's Danish. Is she Danish? Mm-hmm. Oh, I apologise. She's Danish. Uh it's Danish, all the same, all the same though, isn't it? That, no, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> saying that. Um, the Norwegian the Norwegian, <laughs> the Danish <laughs> fucking hell. the Danish singer songwriter of a sort of folky, straight classical bent. I think we've spoken about her before.
1: Yes, I brought you Citizen Glass, glass which trade-off. was her last yeah, record on trade-off. You liked it very much. From I Maragall. thought it was very good. Yeah, yeah.
0: you love... I love Agnes
1: Obel. You do. I fucking love Agnes Obell. Um, she is... Because she sits in a world that is very much her own, she has um, influences from... I'm sure she's massively influenced by Kate Bush, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tori Amos, probably. But then there's also influences... I mean... Bach is probably an influence. Chopin's probably an influence. So there's she writes this weird line between it being sort of neoclassical and chamber pop. Mm. Uh, it's like melodramatic classical chamber pop. Um, and I can't think of many other artists doing that. Certainly not in the manner in which she does it. I mean, debatably Zola Jesus, maybe but in a totally different way. Um, I just think she's fantastic. I fucking love her. It's funny
0: you say that, Renfri, because my thing that I was going to bring up as a I like this but Uh-oh. was this, right? Now, I listened to this record. It's very slight. It's very ethereal. Yeah. Um, it is an album I think you have to be in the mood for. First couple of listens, I, I, di- I was like, oh, I can't really, really get this. Yeah, okay. I can't really get this. And then, um, you know she starts to or, or you, you listen to it and you start to you start to notice how well constructed everything is and it's i think it's like i said it's such a slight record yeah. nothing is pushed subtle to the, yeah nothing is pushed to the forefront ever mm. even her vocals i don't think are particularly dominant throughout this record there are large passages of of of, of Purely instrumental music, which uh, I, th- which I think are great. Actually, that, mm. I, you know, I listened to, it and I was like, "Oh!" Uh, after a while, I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's that's really great." I mean, I would say it's ten tracks, and three of the tracks are instrumental. Mm. But there are period, you know, there are passages in, in amongst those songs where yeah. her voice isn't. Yeah, I think what the guys from in Technicolor were talking about last week when they were saying, um, you know, like if you've got this great vocalist, the tendency, you know, we've said it before, that you have a sort of that you can use them as a crutch and you can yeah. kind of have the tendency is to push everything that they Put do them front so and the centre. Yeah, yeah, you know? And yeah. So is actually much more subtle yeah. with the way she uses her voice and I think that, you know, it, it, it ends up, if you listen to the record enough, and this is the thing, I think you do need to listen to the record quite a lot, it ends up being something which... will slowly creep up on you and you realize how good she is yeah i mean again like we were talking about that sort of thing last week although that wasn't my criticism
1: i suppose in lots of ways she uses her vocals like another instrument um there's a lot of particularly the last couple of records she's been experimenting a lot with sort of um vocal processing i guess putting Mm -hmm. effects on her voice and stuff and it's used brilliantly in um the song called promise
0: Promise. Do you know that one where the sort of they weave up on, they kind of build up on top of each other? There's about three different vocal lines that kind of weave in and out of each other, and it's, okay. it's really clever. It's really good. I think
1: yeah. the vocal synthesizer stuff in particular has done really well on "Island of Doom," um, and um, "Broken Sleep" has this excellent kind of pitched vocal thing. Yeah. It's kind of using. It's not auto tune, but it is it is clearly using some sort of effects on the vocal but in 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 a manner which makes it a part of the song you know how um believe by sher the the yes. um yeah that that became part of the song yeah um interestingly that only became that part, part of that song because um the engineer had just received a demo of this new software called pro tools and he was just fucking around with it uh one day and uh Cher heard it and she was like that's what i want the song to be and that's why we have Auto Tune. Mm. um cheers mate <laughs> yeah <Share>. thanks. <laughs> thanks Cher. it is her fault primarily um yeah and and i just think she approaches things in a really interesting angle that is quite different to a lot of other artists of her ilk um, she's also massive mainly due to i mean she's just sold out hammersmith apollo yes yes um and i think it's mainly due to her having lots of um songs on adverts and so on and so mm. forth anytime that's like anytime there's like a scandy drama nordic drama like it's likely yeah the killing the bridge that kind of thing it's likely an agnes obel song will be over the trailer for it um, but it's that kind of dark, mawkish sort of A.A. Williams esque
0: type mm. thing, except sort of genuinely Scandinavian. Can I give you my um, my yeah but, which I didn't actually yeah. give you before? Yeah. So my yeah but is this right? Is I listen to this and I, I what I want to preface this is, is with this is, is not really an insult because I actually really like this record. It took me quite a while. It took me six or seven listens before I went I can actually like this record. And I will tell you the bits before I give you the yeah but. I will give you the bits that I, I, that I really like. Um, Josera starts with this really cool kind of clock-like rhythmical effect, which I think is really good, which really draws you in. She makes a lot out of so little on, on that song. Oh, yeah. Um, the strings and the bass, the way they work against each other up against the piano, this really cool juxtaposition on the title track, I think is amazing. Again, you know, neither of those things have really anything to do with her voice. Yeah uh i mean to be fair she's a
1: multi-instrumentalist as well so she's doing a lot of instruments um
0: and then you know like i say the 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 vocal lines on track like promise is amazing and you know she when she comes in she's usually very very good what i thought about this and like i say i like this record so it's not shouldn't really be a problem i thought you'd come in and praise it i assume you like it uh, I like it. I do have a couple of reservations, though, but okay, I'd like to hear enough. yours first. Um, well, mine is this, is that I thought I'm going to come in and be quite nice about this record because I enjoy it. Um, and maybe it's because I'm more familiar with rock and metal than I am listening to this stuff. But I did start thinking, well, I've been listening to a lot of this recently. And I understand that she borrows slightly more from a, a more classical bent than a more, you know, Folksy or singer songwritery type of thing, or the, yeah. the death gospel type of thing. I'd say it's 70 30, 70 yeah. classical. Things. But at the same time, there's nothing really original, I don't think, about this. There's nothing boundary genre pushing. No. Uh, in the same and and we have a tendency to, and we have definitely recently, belittled metal bands quite a lot for. N- if this was a metal record, a very well-made metal record, you know, we we said that, you know, the decapitation album, it's all right, but it sounds like a metal record. I mean, that is as boundary-pushing in its genre as this is in its genre. It's slightly different and it's doing slightly different stuff. But why are we giving stuff like this a pass? I mean, someone said this to me, actually. I did go, yeah, I mean, th- I think there are reasons for it. But they were like, more you gave metal a hard time, but yet you listen to stuff like the Menzingers and say, oh, great it is. Well, what are they doing that's different?
1: But more characteristics and more personality naturally comes through this kind of music than it does with metal. Because with metal, you're only... S- you are limited with metal with the sort of... The style of emotions that well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say you're limited, but metal tends to um, showcase negative emotions nine times out of ten. That's why an, an album like Devin Townsend's um, Epic Cloud is so interesting. Yeah. And in that he was like, I'm going to write a heavy metal album, but it's going to be a happy major key metal album. It's because not, no one does that, you know, mm. in within the worlds of metal this is very melancholic and dark sort of a dark enchantress kind of thing it draws you in but it feels slightly dangerous at the same time but um when you're singing more and it's more doubt about her sort of the personal touch that she puts on it i mean i don't think to take two examples at random chelsea wolf and agnes obel although i actually think they're totally different genres if anything but i don't think chelsea wolf and agnes <laughs> obel sound the same in the way that uh <sighs> Nile and um i don't know i don't know suicide silence is a great example with now but uh, mm-hmm. i don't think i don't yeah. think uh, even even that though which which isn't the closest that you can get i don't think they sound the same in that in the way, I think Suicide
0: Silence like. and Nile sound as different from each other as Agnes Obel and Chelsea Wolfe sound from each other.
1: I don't know. I, I,
0: depending on what Chelsea Wolfe album you're talking about, well, yeah, well, that's that's the other thing. But, that, <laughs> yeah, that, but, that, but yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's enough, the other yeah, thing. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's 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 one thing I will say.
0: Chelsea Wolfe actually depending on what Suicide. I mean, the things you could pick that you tell it about Suicide Silence as well. Yeah, because yeah, they've yeah, made yeah, a yeah. lot of there. different. They've made a few different there. records as well. I, I just, you know, it's not really a criticism. It's just something that I I thought to my I was like I should pick us both up on that.
1: I think there's a world of difference. Maybe I'm not explaining it very well, but I personally think, I don't think this is, a, I mean, we have been quite um, um,
0: uh, hard on metal, but that's because we love it, I think, you know. Um, and Matt, We're more familiar with it. And I think, you know, my argument to, like my argument back to my own sort of question that I've posed would be, I think, Metal, you know, which I think I said before is metal. is If you write really, really good songs, um, like the Menzingers do, I mean, that's obviously different to this, but I think the Menzingers, yeah, the style of music, it doesn't need to change, it will never really go out of style. It'll always just, yeah. as long as you're doing it with the correct intentions and you're doing it well. It will sound good. Whereas with metal, it's not really about songwriting. But then, funny enough, I don't necessarily think this is necessarily about songwriting either. Which is why I thought it was a fair, kind of a kind of interesting comparison. But there's
1: more of a personal connection in that um, the Menzingers write very personal songs, which feel very you know, which a lot of people can relate to. I think because because this comes from a half folk tradition. I mean, in a way, it is an interesting amalgam because. It 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 is folky in a sense, but as you rightly say, Agnes Obel is not the front and center of it. I mean, she actually is because she plays damn near everything on this record. Mm. But Um, vocally, she's not. But vocally, she's not. It's not. When I say chamber pop, this isn't produced in a pop way at all, really. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think at the end of the day, if you put on Agnes Obel. Uh, if, if you put on a song and it was Agnes Obel, I don't, I'd never heard it before, I'd be able to tell it was Agnes Obel. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you put on um, Nile next to a million other bands, I wouldn't be able to tell it was them. It's as simple as that. Yep. And uh, that's fair. that that's partly comes down to some of the constraints of the genre as a whole. But to be honest, rather than... We do target individual bands from time to time, but most of the time when I moan about that stuff r- with regards to metal, I'm moaning about the genre as a whole as opposed to, you know just a few bands i mean it's most male bands
0: yeah i think as well that there's nothing i mean again to kind of debunk my own point um the reason i couldn't come in and say that about this record even though it's you know it's not my if i was to put together my favorite of whatever type of genre this sort of is it probably wouldn't be right up the very very higher end but i just think in general the quality that tends to be a lot higher Mm-hmm. Than when we get a kind of mid-level tier, mid tier metal yeah. band and they write another album that sounds like a mid-level tier yeah. metal band. So I think... We've
1: got uh, Lamb of God up here on the um, YouTube. And Lamb of God, and a lot of it is down to Randy. A lot of it is down to the style of riffs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I can tell Lamb of God yeah, apart of from, I don't know, God forbid or whatever. Yeah. Shadows be- Fall. Shadows Fall because they are a better band than those bands.
0: Yeah. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Mm it's true it's true i mean yeah I, I but like i say i like this record and um i think it's very good it took me a little while to really be able to get into it mm, okay which is not a problem at all but i'm just saying if you think that hey i'm like, i'm not sure that if somebody who never listened to this type of stuff said to me where's a good place to start i'm not sure i'd give them this
1: uh hmm, interesting okay I like this record very, very much, but then I don't think I was ever not going to, realistically. This is so me, in in a nutshell. In terms of that female singer-songwriter thing, I just... It, it's me all over. I absolutely love Agnes Ober and what she does. Truthfully, I've listened to it, oh God, I don't know, a dozen times since we've had it. And... I think it's probably my least favourite Agnes Obel al- album right, of the okay. four she's done. But to be honest, they're all pretty damn high in my estimation anyway. Yeah. So when when you say I wouldn't give this one to someone to introduce them to her, uh, I mean, I don't think it is a terrible introduction, but, but I would, but it is in I my opinion.
0: A, I think it's a patience testing introduction is maybe. what i think i think it's a re- i think the subtleties are subtle that somebody are, are so subtle that if you weren't if you, if you weren't willing to give this 12 listens yeah i don't think you'd get much out of it
1: yeah maybe i mean certainly i was very very that's very, not very a problem.
0: that's not a problem at all
1: I, I certainly i was very 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 excited for it got the promo and pretty much played it immediately and my first couple of listens i was like oh is that it Because it's 10 tracks. It's just under 40 minutes. Three of those songs, as I say, are instrumentals. Now, I very rarely have a problem with instrumentals. And obviously, you're okay with the instrumentals on this song. Yeah, I really
0: like the instrumentals. Point
1: some of them out. I actually feel like I wanted a little bit more vocal from Agnes Obel on this record.
0: Yeah, I think that would make it much. I think the the door would creak open a little bit more for you know without again one i want to sound like a snob but a casual listener yeah
1: yeah if anything you know again going against type if anything i think this album's too short um i i i think if it had had another couple of songs with vocals i don't think that would have necessarily gone amiss i don't think it needs to be much longer than it is but it might have felt it feels very slight actually i don't know if this is because it's in the corner of my eye but it reminds me of purple in the sense uh Baronet- uh Baroness's Purple, in the sense that, and I think I said this before, the quality on it is very, very high throughout. Mm. But by the end of Purple, I'm like, Oh, is that it? I want a bit more. Mm. Whereas her other records don't make me feel like that. I feel sated after listening to Philharmonics and Aventine and Citizen of Glass. Whereas this one just leaves me wanting more. Not the worst thing in the world to feel at all. And you know, my comparison to Purple, Purple's a fucking brilliant record. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it just kind of leaves me... It feels a little slight, maybe. Um, But I think when it's... I mean, the first three tracks are absolutely amazing. The title track is beautiful.
0: Uh, Yeah, the title track's great.
1: I I really love this record because I think Agnes Obel is uniquely brilliant and doesn't sound like anyone else. I think she's... It's really nice when someone... Like she has broken through really well. Like selling out Hammersmith Apollo yeah, amazing. In, in, you know, a month or so is is fucking incredible and it's well deserved. Um it's Oh, is it my favorite album of the week? It might be my favourite album of the week. It's between this and probably what we're gonna do
0: next, I imagine. Okay. It's not your favourite album of the week then. <laughs> uh, no, it's not no, actually. No, okay. uh, We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, all right. But yeah, but it's, I mean, I like it though. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Take, it took me a while, but I like it. So, I mean, yeah. it, might end, it might end up being my favourite album of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I,
1: I do think it's a bit of a slow burn in a way, but yeah, then I, I suppose think. I'm so predisposed to this kind of thing anyway, I probably don't even notice when things are slow burn as much as others. But I yeah. thought it
0: was a noticeably more of a slow burn than a lot of things that are akin to it that we've covered. Interesting. Definitely. Okay. Okay. Definitely to me uh, I I have to say the first couple of listens I was like oh no I'm going to have to come here and slag some. That's kind of that's, you kind, of, that's kind of brave for a
1: I mean of all of those ty- all, all of those types of bands of all of that music that we have talked about she's probably the biggest. Yeah. So the fact that she's doing possibly potentially the least immediate is interesting for what is a very commercial artist? I mean, at the end of the day, she is doing... I first heard about Agnes Obel on an advert on Spotify. It's the only time I've ever been interested in music that I've learnt about from Spotify. Fucking hell. <laughs> I,
0: mean, I don't think I've ever <laughs> so, discovered
1: anyone on Spotify. I mean, yeah. So that's the
0: future. I mean, we... Well, uh, we get sent eight fucking albums a, a day, two, don't we? Yeah. But, you know... Stop to um, me albums, you pricks. No, don't. Uh, don't, no, <laughs> no. Don't do that, don't say. Uh, no, I was I was joking. Anyway, that's Myopia by Agnes Obel. It's out now. Um, right, they're here last week. We're going to talk about their record right now. In Technicolor, Big Sleep. It is the name of the debut album from the Brighton-based uh, sensible rock band <laughs> as they christened themselves last week. Dad Rock. Dad Rock, yeah, they um they were here and very interesting. They were too. They were great,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've had a lot of people say very nice things about Vlad and Dave. So, so yeah,
0: um, so now it's time for us to talk about their debut album, which you know, um, I think Renfrew you said last week, we've been waiting for, for for some time. Yeah,
1: it's been it's been, uh there's not much that I can actually go into, but th- this has been around a little while. Let's just say that much. Mm-hmm. But um, uh. Well, worth the wait, in my opinion. Although I sort of insinuated that last week when you hadn't heard it. How do you feel about it?
0: This is a rock album. Yes. This will bang you on the head with immediacy and you'll like it. Yes. I guarantee that. That is my guarantee. You heard it here first. Steve's guarantee. I, yeah. All your money back. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh maybe i don't know um yeah i listened to this and i was like um this is very instantaneous rock music in the vein of a lot of poor sort of old school um stonery hard rock bands from the, the the sort of the or alternative rock sort of stoner stroke alternative rock bands from the 90s that used to have a very immediate edge about them. Give us a few names. Well, Queens of Stone Age. Queens of Stone Age, yeah, yeah. Queens of Stone Age are the ones that kind of leap out at you. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Queens of Stone Age can be quite psychedelic and quite weird as well. And I think this, uh, it was annoying me. I was like, who does this remind me of? Who does this remind me of? Who does this remind me of? And I kept listening to it and I was like, it does sound like Queens of Stone Age because it's got big wrists, but I don't really think it feels like a stoner rock band. It's mm. not really an alternative rock band the same way as, say, like, you know, Nirvana or Soundgarden, where although, you know, Soundgarden and Alice in Chains use kind of doomy, stonery guitar mm-hmm. tones, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's it's like that. I also don't think it's going down towards the Caius or Fu Manchu. It doesn't quite go as far as the Caius y Fu Manchu stuff. I think, you know, Queens of Stone Age are the. The well, obviously, the most commercial of the the stoner generation, mm-hmm. um, and that's because they don't stick so rigidly to. Yeah, let's make it sound like it was made in the desert while we were all yeah. stoned off our heads. And there, and I was like, there is a band. There must be a band that this that that is comparable, and I think that band and that album is You and Me by Open Hand. Do you know that album? Absolutely not, I don't. Oh, what a fucking great... It came out on Roadrunner Records in about 2005. They used to be a hardcore band. I actually saw them supporting... I think saw them supporting Poison the Well in about 2003. Okay. Um, The record is brilliant, but it kind of balances on... um, a sort of seesaw somewhere between stuff like Helmet and Quicksand. Mm -hmm. And... Queens of Stone Age and Caius and okay. Fu Manchu and Nebula and, and shit like that. And this does that. Mm. It's got a kind of futuristic stoner vibe to it, like a sort of alt-rock futuristic stoner vibe Yeah, where the melodies are really cool and the riffs are really instantaneous. But after a while, you start to notice clever little things that they're doing with the rhythms. Mm. Um, there's a call and response bit Um with the guitar in the song shaker yeah at first i just listened to it and i was like oh that's cool yeah and then i thought wow that's just really interesting what a good idea what a brilliant yeah. idea what a simple but br- brilliant idea to kind of double up on that guitar part and it sort of changes every time and the riffs are genuinely really good yep. um, yeah um so yes it's it, uh, queen of stone age and something a bit more punky yeah um
1: absolutely i think i think this is as you're saying a very immediate album and yet at the same time the more you listen to it the more it opens itself up to you so in a way the best of both worlds i think particularly songs like um i mean the really big stoner vibes are on the lights of tortoise Mm. uh which is a 10 and a half minute epic that closes the record it's basically one riff over and over again there's two parts to that entire song and on paper it really shouldn't it shouldn't you know sound like it should work at all yeah uh, 10 and a half minutes long but it's just i personally find it really enthralling that song in a kind of in a kind of cult lunar-esque way and that we were saying (laughs) these songs they're 10 minutes long but they feel like they're about four i get that with tortoise as well it's the Mm. most kaya kind of you know stoner wig out one but it's fucking excellent slow moth as well i think has a element of that kind of fu manchu kaya type stuff but then yeah then they've got a load of rages as well, such as um uh you just said it, Shaker. Shaker. Shaker, Doomer, mm-hmm. uh, Miami Funk. Yeah. Um I think uh the vocalist is voiced Toby Anderson. He's got this really sort of coarse harshness to his vocals, yet melodic, which yeah. a lot of these a lot of bands can't pull off well enough, but he does it brilliantly. I really, really like his vocals. Um has some really nice sort of one-liners like box office poison slipped into my cup. Um, Not quite Neil Fallon, but not far off Fallon, you know, not far off Fallon, um, which is definitely a compliment considering how much we've
0: wanged on about how brilliant Neil Uh, Fallon is. Anytime you ever get compared to Neil Fallon. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Um, And I just, I, I think, yeah, there's lots of really cool sludgy riffs and licks, but also melodic and, you could enjoy this. You could enjoy this. It feels like a sunshine record, kinda, mm. despite it being sludgy and stonery. Yeah, it's like, it a, it's is, like it's, a happy time stoner record.
0: Yeah, it's it's a lot brighter. And I think that's what I <coughs> like, kind of. It's almost like when I say alt rock, I mean, and I mentioned Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. I'm, it's more like kind of post grunge. It's more, you know, your Silver Chairs and your yeah. feed or your feeders or smashing pumpkins, even or like at their sort of their um, their heaviest. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and. You know, and also has a very clear political message on it. Very clear on something mm-hmm. like Duma, mm-hmm. which, you know, but then if you don't, if, if you're like me and you, you're desensitized and disgruntled and apathetic about life, <laughs> you can just ignore it and go, I like that riff. <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely can. Yeah. It won't be a problem because the riff is big enough.
1: I don't think any of the politicalness of it would... Be off-putting, even if you disagreed. I don't think it's front and center enough to be. It's not Fever Three Through Three, is it? Let's face it. But yeah, if you, you know, you, it's, no, it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's there if you. Yeah, it's there, but I don't think it's front and center or anything no, like me that. Neither. Um, they are raging live as well, and actually, I should say, if you're listening to this today, it goes up. They're actually playing the Black Heart this evening in London.
0: They are with Clit Drip. Who they are? Um, and I said, uh, like, depending on if, whether or not I like the record, I'd go down if I like the record. Now I, I'm not going down. But I do like the record, but it's because I'm looking after a dog.
1: Absolute travesty. Yeah, you're I've not going to come see Clit Drip. With I tell you what, I shouldn't say this on Mike, but that Clit Drip album is fucking off the scale. Okay,
0: but. I can't bring a dog, can I? Dog sitting. You're thinking about it. I can't remember. I'm no. trying to think of a way around it. There isn't it. a way around it. You either bring the dog or you you don't go, or I don't dog sit. I'm, I've already said I'm going to. So I can't go. This is sad. Well, you know, when my friends reach out to me, please can you look after my dog? <laughs> I say Yes. <laughs> Anyway, it's good. It's great. So do yeah. you let me know how it is. We'll talk about it next week, I'm sure. Is that your favourite album of the week? Yeah, it yeah, is. yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Fair. For me, definitely.
1: I mean, it is between Agnes Obel and In Technicolor, but they're so different. I can't really compare them. It depends what mood I'm in. But they're right. both brilliant.
0: It's very good. Oh, Big Sleep. It's called uh, by In Technicolor. And I did a big <laughs> yawn then because I'm fucked and we're getting towards <laughs> the end of the show. Trust me. Uh, we only got one album left. It's called Random Desire. It comes from Greg Dooley. Uh, the debut solo album by Greg Dooley, formerly of the, Af- of the Afghan re- Wigs and the Twilight Singers. One of the most important and truest voices of his generation. But to warp the words of Public Enemy, he may be a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me. Um, <laughs> I saw the Afghan Wigs at Reading in 1997. Right. Um, In between Deftones and Rocket from the Crypt. Oh, right. Tough. So... Unlucky lucky, yeah. lads. So uh, you weren't an Afghan wigs fan? No, not really. They were one of those fans. They, one of those bands, like, they did so be... little for me at, at that time in my life, mm. when I had Rocket from the Crypt on one side mm. and Death mm. Tones on the other, mm-hmm. that it just meant that I only have ever occasionally dipped into Afghan wigs in the kind of the the downloading stroke streaming Mm-hmm. era of my life and i have had a couple of listens to it but it's just you know they're one of those bands where i listen to a couple of songs or whatever and i go oh they sound quite good and i've never really properly listened to them and i've never i've never really properly gone big on in and had a proper listen so i don't really know if i like them or not
1: we're both coming in at the same angle in that case because I, I was sort of uh, hoping that you would know them um because I heard Gentleman, which is considered the classic Afghan wigs album, mm. many, many years ago. And was like, this is really cool. And much like you, just never got around to probably listening to them. So my only other Greg Dulli reference is uh, The Gutter Twins, which was the album that he did with Mark Lanigan, yeah. who we've spoken about a lot on this show. That album is fucking excellent. That album is great. Yeah. And actually, I I got it out again to listen to... Because I knew we were reviewing this and I hadn't heard it for ages and it is a fucking excellent album. It really stands up. Um A
0: lot of that is down to Mark Lanigan though, as as ever.
1: I, I, I love the pairing of the two. I think I mean, yes. that album is great because Mark Lanigan's on it, but but I they work off of one another really. Yeah, they really do, well. they
0: do, but I just think if you're I mean you don't want to do it with Mark Lanigan. Well, no
1: quite. Um but then Greg Greg Dilly, like, he has a very distinct voice you know it's him when you listen to it yeah and i think when it comes to this record which we're both coming in on a little bit fresh it feels like the one common thread throughout the album is his vocal style isn't it because there isn't really a lot else linking these songs together Mm. um it's a relatively slight album it's about 10 tracks 37 minutes ish yep um we both sort of admitted before recording this that neither of us have loads of say on this. I quite like it, I quite but like I don't love it. But
0: it's one of those ones again isn't it that you know like classic alt rock frontman makes kind of classic sounding fairly uh weathered um but still interesting downbeat solo record. Yeah. Yeah. And you know there's there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, this is often very good. I think the one-two punch of Scorpio and it falls apart, back to back, slap in the middle. Scorpio is, is wonderful. It does wonders. Yeah, kind yeah, of sweeping, yeah. epic, amazing, strings, darkness, well good. Yeah. Like, really, yeah. Re- that is that is really, really wicked. Um, There's a song called Lockless, which I think is quite, is, is one of the few times where I go, oh, that's actually quite interesting, where he kind of m- manages to marry hip-hop beats, and, like, Hovis advert brass section. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, you mean which kind of yeah. drives it. It's weird as fuck, but it's really, really good. And I think just by being quite different um, and sort of going, well, here's something not new, because obviously hip-hop beats aren't new, but, like, something a yeah, bit different but you don't with hear something with, yeah, cl- yeah, yeah. A r- real classic sounding. Uh, and being done by somebody from that 90s Gen X uh, school is is really interesting. And I think, you know, like you say... Most of this is, is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Most yeah. of this is pretty good. And that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's it this is a pretty decent record. I I'd give a shout out to the first song as well, which I cannot remember the title of. The first song uh, but I was is hoping Panto uh, a up. Pantomima. Pantomima. Lovely. Um, you know, I think that's a really great song as well. It's really driving and begins the album in a really good way. Um, and I'm never really bored on this record because it's got enough different ideas on it. Um, but I, or I also, yeah, bar the odds um, highlight here and there, I'm also rarely paying all that much attention to it. I've listened to it five times now, I reckon, and it definitely is getting better with every listen, so it's definitely a grower. But, uh, yeah, I mean... Maybe I'd have more appreciation for it if I knew Afghan wigs. I don't know. I, I don't dislike it. Like, I think I it's mean, decent.
0: I, I think a lot of the time that that context would maybe make you like it, not as much. Well, possibly, yeah. It did. I mean, co- listening to it, I was constantly like,
1: I really should go back to the Afghan wigs one day because it feels like they're a band that if I delve into them properly, I will really like. I just yeah,
0: haven't yeah. I mean I would. I would be st- stunned if this is... Better than anything they've oh, ever done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. Same. Because when has the solo art album by the lead singer of a, a kind of quote unquote classic band coming out fucking 25 years after their peak been better than the music that they, they were known for in the first place? Ooh. Never.
1: That'd be a good Twitter question. I, was, I bet there's one or two outliers. I just can't think what yeah, they are off the top of my head.
0: I don't think so. I don't think there is one. Oh, there must be. There must be. Uh, I mean, even even the ones that are really good, like we spoke about Bob Mold album. Yeah. Bob Mold's made loads of albums, so it's not even like that's like oh, he's come out yeah. with an album. Um, but Bob Mold's last album isn't as good as him at his best.
1: I've I've already confessed on this podcast. I think I prefer Bob Mold Tosca do these days.
0: Yeah, but all right, it's not as good as Copper Blue, is it? No. Yeah. So there you go. So it's there goes Bob Mold. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. The first fairly decent shout you had shot down. <laughs> I didn't even Straight have it as a decent away. shout. Um, yeah, you tried to argue it, Remfrey. Uh, you tried to argue it as a potential.
1: It's v- it's very difficult, admittedly. But I maybe I'll try and come back next week. I mean, I mean, look, I, I'm I'm suggesting that
0: there, if they exist, there's two or three ever made, yeah. probably. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Uh, it might be this one. We can go and listen to the Afghan weeks and go, wow, they're shite.
1: I don't think it is this one. I, I, I think this is a perfectly fine album. And I think it's, I, I I'd even go as far as saying, I think this is a good album, but mm. I don't think it's this album. Yeah.
0: Um, I listened to it a few times. I think I'll probably, I, I'm going to cherry pick the f- sort of four or five songs yeah. that I really, really like. And I'll yeah. probably go back to, but as an album, I'm not sure I will go back to it that yeah. much, yeah. but I do, I like it. I mean, I like his voice. Yeah. I do like yeah. his voice. Same, same. Um, and yeah. And I
1: want to I hear that voice over rock songs. Yeah. Which is why I'm like, I really should go back to the Afghan Wigs. Yeah. it's kind of ridiculous that I haven't
0: gone in on that. Yeah, know, but you know, time, mm. time, life, life, life. life. <laughs> gets in the way. <laughs> All right, well, um, there you go. Uh, I don't really think there's anything else to say about that. It's pretty good. I mean, if you're a fan of, of, of him, yeah, go and have a little listen. I'm sure it will be, you know, enjoyable. Uh, and we should probably educate ourselves more. We should the Afghan
1: Wigs. Excellent review, Steve. Thanks, mate. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, Random Desire by Greg Dilly is out now. Right, well, that's it. Uh, I'm going to bed. Um, I've got to edit this shit. I'm going to bed. Uh, next week, we're going to be reviewing Five Finger Death Punch, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. Um, Nova Twins. We will be doing an Nova Twins, though. Uh, we'll do that for sure. Go over to musicism.net and put right in the checkout in capitals to get 25% off any, of the, any and all of your courses. And uh, we shall see you next week for some bloody heavy metal Big Mac and Fries. Yay, America. All that stuff, innit? Oh, you're talking about five? I've mm-hmm. been Yeah, great. Uh,